Right, well, it's lovely to be here, and it's good to be able to, uh, to share with you as we look at God's Word together. Let me just read a few words from 1 Peter and chapter 2, and uh, the first few verses. And there's a verse in here particularly that I'd like to pick up on in a few moments' time. So, 1 Peter and chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offence. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light, who once were not a people, but now are the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. There's a word in there that comes up several times. And that little word is precious. And in verse 7, it says, Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. And that's what I'd like to think about this morning. How for us, if you're a Christian this morning, Jesus is precious. I wonder when you come to Christmas, what, what it is you particularly like about Christmas. What is it that you're looking forward to? What is it that in January you're looking forward to the next December? What is it about Christmas that you look forward to? Well, I, was, um, I came across some greetings cards, Christmas cards, and was looking at the, uh, the, the little uh, blurb inside, and I came across a few, and maybe this sums up what Christmas is for you. The first one was, Hold peace, love, and hope in your heart always. And Christmas will bring what you wish for. Isn't that deep and meaningful? It's empty, isn't it? How about this one? Christmas is a time when you get homesick. Even when you're home. (laughs) Or this one. That's the true spirit of Christmas. People helped by people. Other than me. And final one. From a commercial point of view, if Christmas did not exist, it would be necessary to invent it. Now I wonder what it is for you that makes Christmas special. Well, if you're a Christian this morning, okay, it might be lovely meeting up with the family and lovely spending time with other people, 
But ultimately, what should it all be about, really? Well, as we just read there in 1 Peter 2. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. And all the year round, Christ should be precious, shouldn't he? he? But maybe as we come to Christmas and as we think about the Lord Jesus coming into this earth as a little baby. This morning, I'd just like to look at the Christmas account, the Christmas story or the, the account of the birth of Christ. And just pick out from that, what do we see in this that shows us Christ is precious to us? Christmas isn't really about the turkey, is it? It's not just a time to be um, eating ourselves sick. But for us, it's a time, as should be the rest of the year be, where Christ is precious. So let's take a few moments to look into Matthew and Luke particularly uh, and see what we can see about the Lord Jesus that reminds us that Jesus, that he is precious to us. Because the reality is that for many people this time of year, Jesus isn't precious. Christ isn't precious. He doesn't mean anything to them. And for them, it is just about the presence. It is just about getting and maybe giving and food and meeting other people. But Christ is not precious to them. And he means nothing to them. And I trust that if you're a Christian this morning, you'll be thinking, yes, Christ is precious. When we moved house a few years ago, uh, there was this item that I took off the wall and I put into the, the van, transported to our new house, and I put back on the wall in our new house. This item, well, it's a, it's a bit of a bone of contention in our family. It's some antlers. Um, it's a, I don't know if you'd like antlers, but I think they're great. They're lovely. This lovely set of antlers. And we had them on the stairs. And my wife is not a fan of these antlers, and so they had to go on the stairs where no one could see them. And again, in our new house, you only see them if you go upstairs. And when you're coming back down, you, you see them because they're there on the wall. And my wife doesn't like these antlers. And I was really having to look after these antlers because I knew that if they got in the van, either my wife or her mum would get them out of the van and get rid of them before I got them out of the van and got them into the house. Why? Because they're not precious to her. She doesn't like them. She hates them. She says they're just a dust trap and they look ugly and all this. But to me, they're, they're lovely. In that kind of sense. They're, they're precious to me to a certain degree. But to her, it means nothing. Maybe to your neighbours maybe to other people in your family. Christ doesn't mean anything. Just get rid of him. It doesn't mean a thing. But to us who believe, he is precious. Why is he precious? Well, turn back to Matthew. Uh, Matthew chapter 1. And uh, looking at the account of um, the birth of the Lord Jesus. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23. And this is in fulfilment of prophecy. And what do we read? Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Why is Christ precious? My first little point is because he is Emmanuel. He is God with us. I heard of uh, uh, someone who was applying to go to Cambridge University. And you know how it is at Cambridge, how they have, um, basically the accommodation blocks are called colleges, and they have various colleges. Um, and and this, this young man was saying, well, I'm not going to go to one of those religious colleges, you know, that have the, that religious name. 
So I'm not going to Trinity, and I'm not going to Christ College, and I'm not going to Jesus College. So someone asked him, so where did you end up going? He said, well, I went to Emmanuel. <laughs> there he was. What does Emmanuel mean? It means God with us. Just stop and pause and think about that for a moment. Here is God. God. The one who by speaking made this world. God. The one who is from everlasting to everlasting. God. Being contracted into the form of a little baby. So vulnerable. So delicate. So helpless. God with us. Just the wonder of that. That God would be willing to humble himself so that he might walk with us. He might share life with us. He might experience the things that we go through. God with us. You know, many people say, where is God? God doesn't care. God isn't bothered. You look at Ukraine. Look, at, look around the world. Look at issues that are taking place in these towns and villages around here. And they say, where is God? Look at my experiences that I'm going through. Look at the difficulties that I face. Where is God in all of this? But for us, a Christian, for those of us that believe, he is precious. Why? Because here is God with us, Emmanuel. We read in Colossians that Christ is in you, the hope of glory. What a wonderful thing that is. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So my first thing, why is Christmas special? Well, because Christ is precious. What makes Christ precious? He is Emmanuel, God come to be with us. And then you keep reading through the story and you think, well, why does God come? Why does he come? They laid him in this messy manger. And what's a manger? Well, what would be the equivalent that most of us would have at home? Probably a dog bowl. Uh, you know, a little bowl that we'd feed our pets with. And here is this manger, this roughly hewn piece of wood that's just to hold the food for the cattle. A messy, dirty manger. Slobber would be on that. And yet here is Christ put in this manger. In many ways you see Christ coming to a messy manger. And yet he's coming into a messy world, isn't he? A world that is so torn apart with sin. A world where there is so much pain. So why is he coming? Let's look. go to Luke chapter 2. And in Luke chapter 2, when the angels are speaking to the shepherds, we read in verse 9, <clears throat> And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. So the angels are saying, Look, there's some news. There's someone coming. And this is good news. This is good tidings. This is... Good news of great joy. Why? Because God is coming. God is coming. God is coming to be with us. Emmanuel. And it's not just for you shepherds. It's not just for you Israelites. But who do the angels say it's for? I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. This is good news. 
And what is the good news? What is the good news that is affecting all people? What is the good news? Keep reading. Verse 11. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a saviour who is Christ the Lord. Jesus is precious. Why? Because he is Emmanuel, God with us. But secondly, because he is our saviour. And on that day, all those years ago, in that form of that little baby, there was a saviour. You know, you, you, you'd say that to other people today who Christ is not precious. And the whole concept of a saviour is strange to them, isn't it? What's the purpose of the saviour? Why do I need a saviour? Well, look at back in Matthew chapter 1. Sorry, we're jumping between a few verses. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21. And, and this will be a verse that I'm sure many of you will know off by heart. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he shall save his people from their sins. Now, we're familiar with that, aren't we? And those words can roll off our mouth, roll out of our mouth quite easily. We know that Jesus Christ came to be our saviour. But just stop and pause and think about that for a minute. Why is he precious? Because he is our saviour. What has he done? He's left heaven and all its glory and all the adoration and praise of angels to come into this world where people hate him, where people mock him, where people even deny the reality that they see before their eyes that he is God. And they take him and they whip him and they beat him and they spit him and they pull out his hair. They crucify him. They hang him on a cross. And even the judge is saying, I find nothing wrong with this man. And there he is, an innocent, pure, spotless man, dying. Why was he dying? He was dying because we are so, so lost in our sin. He was dying because the Lord Jesus Christ would rather die for us than judge us. And so he's taking our punishment for our sin so that we don't need to face that. There's a um, around-the-globe yacht race that takes place every few years. And it's a single-man crew, and they go off, and it takes them um, several months to, to sail around, and it's this race, and it's a tough old race. The last one that they had, um, they're out somewhere way down south in these big seas. And one of the sailors going through these big seas, the front of his yacht literally snaps off. And there's this gaping hole and the water's coming straight in. He's just got time to grab his life raft and get into his life raft. The only trouble is his boat goes down within minutes. He's in this life raft thousands of miles from land how is he going to get saved there were some other yachts that were in the same competition they were relatively close they managed to come across and after 11 hours they managed to find this man and rescue him this man without that guy that found him and rescued him would have been gone 
there would have been no hope for him. It's incredible they found him in many ways. And he's so thankful to that sailor who rescued him. But that's nothing, absolutely nothing, compared to our state before God. And here we are, we're in our sin. And the consequences of that are devastating. The consequences of that mean hell for all eternity. And there is only one person that can rescue us. There is only one person that can redeem us. There is only one person that can be our saviour. And he is Christ. And therefore to you who believe, he is precious. Revelation chapter 1 verse 5 says, To him who loved us and washed us from our sins with his blood. It cost him his life. And so here we are. He is precious because he is our saviour. Let's go back to Matthew again in chapter 2. So he is precious because he is Emmanuel, God with us. He is precious because he is our saviour. He's given his life for us. He is precious because... Well, we see in Matthew chapter 2, he is our shepherd. Verse 5, so they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Just, Just think about that lovely illustration, that lovely picture of what is Christ. What is Christ for us? He is a shepherd. This year, um, in the spring, um, there's a a farm in our village where they they raise sheep, lambs. And so we had four lambs um, that were kind of orphaned and they needed to be bottle fed. So uh, we've got four children, they each had a lamb each. We put them in our garden and let them have the run of the garden. I learned from my mistakes that really I don't need to have the little hutch that I built right next to our back door uh, because it meant that they would try and come in the house and sometimes they did. And then when they come in the house, they're not always house trained. And so it was lovely having these lambs in the garden and and we had them for several months. And my youngest daughter, uh, she's the one that's not at school, she would sit out there with these lambs and she spent the most time with them and they became... Uh, probably most comfortable with her and she'd sit there with her arm around their neck or she'd lie down on the ground kind of over uh, a lamb and she would love just being with these little lambs and we'd have to go out and feed them several times a day put them away at night clean them out um, unfortunately between us and our neighbours there is no fence at the end of the garden we'd spoken to them and said look do you want us to put some netting up and they said no we'd love them to come around our garden One day I looked out of my bedroom window. I saw them in their garden, in a wheelbarrow, which was their herb garden, eating all these herbs. I quickly ran out and got it round and went round to apologise. They said, no, it's okay. As long as we have that lamb later, and it will be nicely uh, seasoned. (laughs) But what is the Lord Jesus? He is described here as a shepherd. What does a shepherd do? Well, a shepherd is one who looks after those lambs, those sheep, protects them, feeds them. When they're injured, they heal them, they treat them. The shepherd 
have the best interests at heart. A true shepherd, a genuine shepherd, puts themselves out to help these sheep. Why? Because he loves these sheep. They're valuable. They're precious. What a lovely picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and here we are as his children. And he is our shepherd. He cares for you. He doesn't just stick you on the shelf and leave you there. Oh, who, what, what did you say their name? Oh, oh, yes. No, he loves you. He knows you by name. He knows every detail about you. What a lovely thing that Jesus is your shepherd. He's not a cruel, mean, harsh master. But he's caring and loving. You look at some of the rulers in the world today and you think, wow, I'm so glad I don't live in that country. You see how they are, it seems they're just out for their own benefit, their own gain, to shore up their situation, their position. And it doesn't matter what happens to other people, any dissent, any disagreement, anything that's against their own thing, and it's hard and cruel. But what do we see in the Lord Jesus? He's caring. He's loving. And as we just think about him being saviour, the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. That's how much he cares for us. That's how much he cares for you. And Christ is our shepherd. You're not alone as you walk through this life. He hasn't just saved you and said, there you go. I'll meet you in heaven. No, but he's with us. He's nurturing us. He's helping us to grow. And sometimes things will be difficult. But has he abandoned you? No. Sometimes things will be hard. Has he forgotten you? No. And even sometimes in those difficult times, it's when the shepherd is there saying, I'm with you in this situation to help you grow, to shape you, to mould you, to conform you so that you become more like the Lord Jesus Christ. He will shepherd his people Israel. So he is precious. Why? Because he is Emmanuel. He is our saviour. He is our shepherd. But when the wise men were looking um, for, for Jesus, what did they say? In Matthew chapter 2, and verse 2, Where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east and have come to worship him. Yes, we think of Jesus as being a shepherd, that, that kind, gentle, caring friend. But Jesus is also king. When the wise men came, they were saying, where is this man who is king? We're looking for a king. They came, and when they found the king, they worshipped. Why? Because here they were, kneeling before this young child, who they realised was a king, who they realised should be worshipped, should be honoured, should be praised. They gave him the worship that he deserved because he is king. Aren't you glad that the Lord Jesus Christ is king? Aren't you glad that he is the one who is over all? As we read in Revelation again, chapter 1, he is the ruler over the kings of the earth. 
Think of the most powerful person that walks this planet. I don't know who it is, but we can think of a few who have a lot of power. But Christ is the ruler over all the kings of this earth. And he is the one who is king of kings. Aren't you glad that he is in control? So many people make their own kings in their life that they serve. But they're mean kings. They're harsh masters. People serve their self in so many ways, don't they? People serve their sport in so many ways. And How many people would have shed tears last night? How many people have lost sleep? They're in the grumps today. I hope you're not that. <laughs> Why? Because sport can be a king for people. But it's not our king, is it? People make their careers their king. Serving themselves. But no. Who do we serve? To you who believe, he is precious. We serve him. He is our king. And he is not our king just for now, but he is our king for eternity, forever. He walked on this earth for 33 years, didn't he? But now he is in heaven, at the right hand of the Father, being praised and worshipped. In Luke chapter 1, verse 31, we read, And behold, you shall conceive, and in your womb, uh, and in your womb, and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great, and we will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord will God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob, and of his kingdom there will be no end. This last year we remembered the death of our queen, haven't we? And we now have a new king. But his reign will come to an end one day. But of his reign, of our king, there will be no end. What is your response when you think of the Lord Jesus Christ being king? Do you say, I love him. He is God with us. He is God with me. He is my saviour. He is my shepherd. He is my king. I worship him and I praise him. Final thing in our fifth point. Why is he precious? Let me just remind you of a well-known verse in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. I'll start it, you finish it. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Why is Christ precious to us? Because he is a gift. A son has been given. One of the most famous verses in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Just step back and think of where you should be this Christmas without Christ. What your life would be without Christ. What your eternity would be without Christ. What do you deserve? What do I deserve? What do I deserve for maybe the way that I've lived this last week? What do you deserve? You can't earn your way into heaven. You can't be good enough by any stretch of the imagination. And yet God gives a gift. Free. 
the love of God that we see to give his own son. And so when we think of the shepherds, and, and they got a glimpse of what the Lord Jesus Christ was like. They saw those angels. And then they came down and they found that baby. And what did they do? Verse 20 of Luke 2. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. They praised God. They glorified God. And they told other people. They were saying, we've seen someone. We've seen the one who is coming to be a saviour. To you who believe, he is precious. How much do you love the Lord Jesus? Do you say, I thank him because he is God with us. He is Emmanuel. He is my saviour. He is my shepherd. He is my king. And he is a free gift. What must I do? Be like those shepherds. Worship and praise him. And go and tell others. To you who believe, he is precious. And so for yourselves, this Christmas time. Yes, I hope you have a lovely time. Meeting up with family, friends, neighbours. There's a church here together. But rejoice most of all in the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember years ago, Richard doing a Bible study back at our church in Wilston. He may have done it here, I don't know. And he was talking about the different feasts in the Old Testament. Is this ringing a bell? Richard's thinking, oh, has he done this one here? I'm not sure. And uh, he's he's going through the different feasts and how the the Jews were to to act in those feasts and what, what they were all about. And he said three things that have stayed with me and they've really helped me. Well, the first one was rejoice, secondly, together, and thirdly, in the Lord. Rejoice together in the Lord. And at this Christmas time, as we have this time maybe to, to pause for a little bit, to relax a little bit, let's rejoice together in the Lord. Why? Because for you who believe, he is precious.